0: The cat Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Dreamers Succeed podcast. I am beyond excited today because I get to sit down with a friend and introduce him to those of you who do not know him. Those of you who do know him are going to be happy and super impressed with me that I have friends like this. Uh, but I but I do want to introduce you all to Andrew Deutsch. He is a multilingual global strategic marketing and sales consultant who has successfully driven business growth in more than 100 countries. Yes, 100 countries. His extensive global travel experience creatively melding practical strategic business concepts with solid psychological theory are behind his bold and innovative methods. His company, Fangle Technologies, is a strategic marketing consultancy with services including fractional CMO leadership, in-depth research beyond the financials for MA in addition to total branding and go-to marketing strategy creation. Ready? You see what I mean? So help me welcome Andrew. Andrew, I'm so happy you're here. Yeah.
1: Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here.
0: Super excited. Andrew, where are you today in the world?
1: I'm in Cleveland, Ohio.
0: You're in Cleveland. How's how's the weather? Center, Center of the universe. Center of the universe, of course, of course. How's the weather? How are things there? Everything's great. Yeah, been wonderful. Locked,
1: locked up now for what, six months?
0: Yeah, yeah. Working,
1: working from home. <laughs> and no, actually, it's uh, Cleveland's a great place. This time of year, I get out on the weekends, I go kayaking. Nice. Got lots of projects, fun stuff going on besides my work.
0: Good. I love it. Good. Good. Balancing, balancing, balancing Absolutely. well. I love it. I love it. So Andrew, I, and, and again, such an, an impressive uh, list of accolades um even the ones that I couldn't mention in 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 the intro and I know they'll all have an opportunity to to get in touch with you but sure. I remember when we first spoke um we shared a great conversation and you took me through a bit of your journey which is just like holy moly like seriously this sort of happened so really I want like I said for those of you who don't know you yet I know this is going to be a, a a really great Podcast for them because they're going to be able to to get into the mind. Like I said in the intro, we talked a little bit about that that psychology. You've had so much exposure to so many different cultures and have been able to create lasting change in those spaces. So, can you walk us through a little bit of um, who is Andrew
1: in terms of in terms of background and in terms and of what background
0: I do, and your journey?
1: I, I I have a very definitive business and and sort of. Sort of personal life on the personal side, a lot of my time is spent doing creative endeavors, and in my business side, a lot is spent doing creative endeavors. <laughs> so that's where the that's where they sort of tie together. Mm-hmm. But from from a work perspective, uh, we help companies go back to the core and actually focus on the marketing aspects of who they are and what their companies do, uh, knowing who the customer is, and in knowing who the customer, where are their pains, where are their difficulties, and how Uh, we can help them to resolve it with the products and services that the companies that we work with offer. Um, And we kind of live in an age of what I joke about the SEO whiz kids. Right. And (laughs) and they've got all these great tools out there that are all valid and useful, but at the core, it's about the marketing. Mm -hmm. And marketing isn't the tools. Tools are how you implement the marketing.
0: Right.
1: So, and and that goes back. We were having a conversation the other day with somebody in his twenties. And he said, well, what did you guys use as marketing tools back when you were starting? And I said the telephone pen and in paper we used Yep, yeah, box of donuts yeah. back before people knew how dangerous they were for our health Yeah, and, and learning how to build relationships and understanding people and, and all of the very same core ideas that people need to understand today before they go out and, and start using tools.
0: And I think that's so important, Andrew, because I think what happens is that we we get into this notion that we think everything is sort of so much easier now because you put things out on social media and you put uh you do SEO marketing. And I'm not saying that that, that doesn't make things easier, but you just said something. That that connection and that relationship and the importance of that Absolutely. relationship, that is is going to be a factor when it comes to marketing forever.
1: And you, you had asked me to sort of take you through the journey. So I, I went to undergrad and studied international trade. I wanted to be in, in global trade.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and as, as I went to school and finished, there, there weren't careers yet for folks with a bachelor's degree in that. Mm-hmm. And I worked for a couple of years in, in, a, in a few different areas and realized that I really didn't need to go back to grad school. But back then, every MBA I knew and every CPA I knew, recent graduate, they were all unemployed. Nobody had a job. And if you went and got your MBA and threw your resume in with all the other guys for the few jobs that came out, you, you really had to figure out how to shine. And I said, you know what? I got to go back to grad school. My interest isn't so much in that whole area of international finance and banking and the kinds of things that, that the master's international had. I wanted to be able to build relationships and do multicultural marketing. Mm-hmm. So I went back to school and studied instead uh, in the psychological arena and focused it on industry. So I worked for a period of time, actually, as a therapist while I was was building my my, my practice. Mm -hmm. And One of the things that I did, and our mutual friend, Meg, I met through this process. Um, I I helped work with a group called AFS, American Field Service, to revamp how they were doing orientation for exchange students going to Latin America. And I ran those orientations for a couple of years, and, and Meg was a volunteer. She had been an AFS student. I was an AFS student in high school to Sweden where I still have great relationships with with people there. And through that happened to meet some incredible uh, chaperones that would come in that were executives in Central America. Mm -hmm. And it turned into projects. And projects started to bloom where they were looking for someone in the US to represent and and help them build their relationships to build trade with the US. Over time, I ended up going down to Brazil for what was supposed to be 90 days on a project uh, where I ended up living for 10 years. (gasps) Um, met my wife, met my, had my kids. There were so, so Learned something very important in the U.S. I was a guy who knew stuff and was pretty good at what I did, but was still sort of initiating in my career mm-hmm. in Brazil, where the market had been closed for so many years, all of a sudden by changing the line on the globe and getting below the equator, I went from being a guy who knew stuff to an expert, even though I really wasn't the perception was. That I was, and projects kept coming to me. The American guy who knows people can help us to set up these trade relations with the U.S. companies, and that was how I built my career.
0: That's amazing. I love that. And 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 listen, but but all starting and and I love and Meg Meg Nasero For those of you who know Meg, uh, actually connected Andrew and I, and, and I'm so grateful. But she's amazing, and she can't speak Great. highly enough of you. I mean, just just uh, I I can see. There's there's just so much synergy and 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 common ground in, in how you are and how you operate, but Andrew, the the, but it was that it all started from those relationships that you formed.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's funny, Meg. If I, I was made a comment to my wife about this the other day,
0: mm-hmm. I said, you know,
1: in, in life you have brothers and sisters, but you don't get to pick them. If I was going to pick a sister, it would be Meg.
0: Yes, absolutely. She's one of my, one of my one of my favorite people. <laughs> yes, she she really is True, truly truly yeah. amazing, and. Yeah. Andrew, so, so, so you're in Brazil. How did, was there a, I don't, I don't know if, if many people spoke English when you got there. I don't know how it was. Some.
1: Uh, I did. I didn't speak yes. Portuguese.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's it's amazing learning? how
1: quickly you can learn foreign languages when you need to find the bathroom or get a cup of water. Oh, or,
0: yeah.
1: And I, I learned by living the full immersion and, and today still speak um, almost as fluently as I speak English. Wow. And all the other languages that I've learned over the years have been through the same, the same method of travel and and, uh, and necessity. It's, and certainly, uh, all of my, my, my three daughters can all speak at least three languages. Wow. Uh, they grew up with Portuguese as their primary, and they, they learned Spanish over time and English when we moved back to the States.
0: Nice, nice. And I, and sure. I can see that. But, but it's what you're saying. It's you, you threw yourself in the lion's den, if you will. And, and we're able to, to build something, you know, way out of a comfort zone for the average person. And, and we're able to build a career from a place of, of expertise. So Andrew, from there, how did the, the, the hundred countries come into play?
1: Okay. So while I was there, I was working with all sorts of projects and there started to travel quite a bit to Europe and to Asia for my clients in Brazil in 2000, excuse me, in 2004, I'm sorry, 2003, we decided that it was time to come, come to live in the States. Um, there was all the political stuff post 9-11. It was becoming uh, very uncomfortable being an American living abroad. Mm-hmm. There were a few, not, not direct threats, but enough to, to, to do it. And my youngest was becoming school age. Okay. So, so we came back and I, I opened, reopened my U.S. office and worked between. In 2007, the market crashed and almost all the business that we were doing started to really dry up and I was left with do I seek new clients and new or accept the offer that my biggest client had made which was to come in and work their international division mm-hmm. they'd had a person who had been there that had sort of hit a plateau they let him go and they just weren't growing so I went to work for this company in the in the plastic uh, plastics industry and took over and needed to expand. They were doing uh, maybe 2 or $3 million in 16 countries at the time. So my job was to grow the world market. Well, within five years, we were now selling into 75 countries, oh my which goodness. meant that I was I was on the road traveling. Uh, and I mean, I was on the road, what, 300, sometimes as many as 300 days a year. It was usually <gasps> <Wow>. around 220, <laughs> 300,000 air miles, 45 oh. countries a year. Wow. And I did that for about five years and, and blew the doors off. We, 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 we grew like crazy from, from the effort and really gained that, that network of international contacts that I have still to today uh, with the help now of, of you know, social media, with uh, email and all these things. I still keep in touch with most of the people in that network, even though I don't, I don't work for that company any longer.
0: Right, right. I love so, that, Andrew. And, and I love how those connections come from putting yourself in a place of service. Let's Absolutely. see how I can because I know that was sounds like it was uh, just just seeing how you can uh, perpetuate that that connection between yeah. foreign students and how do you navigate the culture and I think that especially yeah. now where culture you know internal culture is such a big word but I think that as the world shrinks um, yeah. that that expertise in that multicultural. Mm-hmm world and how do we have those conversations and what do we do do you see anything shifting now well the the
1: the the challenge is that there's i've always said this is there's really two basic types of international business people there's similarity people and difference people Mm -hmm. so a similarity person goes to uh, guangzhou china and eats at mcdonald's Mm -hmm. and looks around to see everything that he can to just sort of feel tied to home things that are similar to them And then there's the difference people like me that look for everything new to experience and and, and understand. And so the, the conversations with folks, when you're a similarity person, you never really seem to care about what somebody else is. It's about you. So difference people, you get in a room and you talk to someone and there's something different to learn from and you're fascinated by it. And what do most people want in their life? They want to be heard. So the fact that you're asking these questions out of your own personal curiosity to know this different culture, this different way that people understand, not only builds your ability to, to market to those folks, but more so it's, it's, it's a, a way of just gaining understanding and expanding who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's sort of how almost you know my whole career has been throwing myself into situations that most people would, would be terrified of. I'm not terrified of it because I'm excited I might learn something new.
0: Right. And that's, that's, that's the key though. It's that coming from that place of curiosity and what can I learn? And maybe because, uh, I mean, you had the, the, the benefit of, Mm -hmm. of and the courage to go there because not a lot of people might've said, Oh, this doesn't work for me. And look, you ended up, you know, having your beautiful family if you know, and Mm -hmm. you always look at how the everything lines up so that we end up where we needed to be. So Andrew, given the current, arena that we're in right now um and and how things and i, I want to ask you about this because i know that you'll know because you've seen so many mm-hmm. uh, ups and downs and ebbs and flows in 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 the industries and in, across different industries and across different countries what do you think is we're headed towards i mean you know people talk about this new normal <laughs> this new reality
1: yeah this this sort of return to nationalism is happening and it's, I hear it in the business world, I hear it in, in media and otherwise, is really going to prevent us from growing. This, this idea, as soon as, as soon as you believe you're number one, why would you want to learn? Why would you want to grow? Um, you, you, everybody else is dumber than you, so what have they got to offer you? Kind of mentality is very difficult. So um, you know, I've, I've found that, that in, in the business world, real data to understand trends and otherwise matter. Uh, No no major corporation in this country is launching a marketing campaign of any significance without data that they can confirm. But then in our private lives now, we're we're dealing with just craziness that has no, if somebody says it, we've gotten to a point, I was talking about this the other day with with, with a good friend of mine, Uh, at what point in time did we as a people decide that overconfidence is more important to us than competence? And that's that's the challenge that we face in the the business world and and this myth that people are always resistant to change People love change when there's something in it for them. They love it The problem is it's the same. I hear people say all the time. Oh, please. I don't want to be sold Yes, you do you don't want to be pressured. You don't want to be closed You don't want to be lied to To be sold means that somebody listened to you understood your problems presented something that could benefit you in a way that shows that they that they have a solution to your problem and when somebody solves your problem you love it that's what selling is it's it's very strange what's what's going on just in terms of the language and mentality i love to be sold i hate to be pressured i hate to be conned or attempt to con you know Mm
0: -hmm. and andrew do you see that that there's now a a bleeding into the business world what so many of us, and I'm talking about uncertainty and, and this, this fear of the unknown. Do you see that that's sort of bleeding into the, the, the business world, or do you think that there are still?
1: It absolutely, absolutely does. For, for example, smart business people, intelligent business people have plans. What we're doing now is part of it. But where do we want to be a year from now, three years, five years? But when when the entire world is creating massive uncertainty, then you're constantly having to readjust that plan rather than living the plan and making it grow. There's always a level of uncertainty in the market, but, but the risk becomes so much higher when every day the rules change. For example, today there's no tariff on the product that you're selling. Tomorrow a trade war begins on that product and everything that you were doing goes away. Mm. So yeah it it bleeds into everything and and the other part of it that's really complicated is where people's political ideologies cross. Mm. Because it used to be that if you disagreed with someone's political ideology you had a conversation. Now it's if you disagree with the other person you're stupid or you there's there's always some you know negative mm. a, attack that comes with it even though it's one topic and the rest there's agreement. Right. So it, it, it's absolutely affecting our businesses and, and it's affecting our international trade relationships. Clients that I'm working with are saying, I don't understand it, but the orders have dried up. I don't know. And, and the answer is, it's not you. It's the relationship that we've that we've burned with that particular place or uh, it's dried up because there's pending tariff. And they're thinking, well, if I stick with the same supply chain and the tariff happens, I'm going to be without. So where else can I get it? So there there's a lot of this turmoil that we're really only gonna be seeing in terms of where it affects our economy maybe in the next next three months to to a year. Because, you know, the the someone rings a bell on the other side of the planet, you don't quite hear it here until until time passes enough to hear it.
0: Right, right. And I, I love that you said that. And I think one of the things also is that, uh, and you talked about the plan, the plan that businesses have, and, and sometimes, listen, you mm. don't know, and it's subject to change anyway, even, not, even a, before this, this pandemic. But I'm, I'm curious, Andrew, when there is, do you find that organizations that are more flexible to that pivot, and, and are more, not, not so much gamblers, but are better at the risk-taking game. Do you think that they're going to navigate more more um, fruitfully through this?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's going to vary significantly between, between different kinds of companies because we all adjust. Mm-hmm. We take, for example, just a basic sales forecast. Mm-hmm. So a guy's got a territory in the six different states and eight products he's going to sell, whatever whatever that is at the beginning of the year, he, he creates a forecast based on those products. I think I can sell this many here, there. So at the end of the year, I'm going to do this much. Mm-hmm. Well, at the end of the year, if he hit that number, but it didn't quite match the exact mix and the locations, uh, the only person who cares is the one who is planning on which products they're producing. Because at the end of the day, if you were supposed to do $5 million in sales in your territory that year and you hit five point one as long as you didn't give the stuff away because you don't respect margin and, and the value of your product, mm. you're still a success. So, so the overall goals are met, but when you break it back down to, well, we did gear up to make this entire new line and you didn't do anything with it. So you hit your goals, wow. but you didn't do what, what the actual strategy, there, there's cost in that. So it, it, it's really situational. I, I get the conversation all the time. There's a, there's a guy, Who's, who I know of, who's very big in the software market. He's probably one of the smartest business-to-business salespeople I've ever heard in selling very high-end software, like an ERP, a total computer system for a company. Mm-hmm. And, and he's constantly saying, there's never a second place in sales. Well, if you're selling a million-dollar software package that once purchased, they're not gonna look again for 15 to 20 years, you're right, mm-hmm. but if you're selling something as simple as the tape that's used for sealing cardboard boxes. And a and a smart procurement person says, I gotta have a second source, there's a second place. And by the way, being in that second place is pretty powerful. Right. Because when first place doesn't do their job, guess who's first? My favorite expression in business. One of my 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 mentors, and he's a very close friend of mine, a guy named Jim Cassidy, mm-hmm. who grew who grew the business of selling copiers back in the day when it was the most uh, competitive space there was in the business world. And this guy was successful every place he went. They would send him to run a sales team in the worst district. And within within no time, they were the top, and then they'd send him somewhere else. And he always used the expression, getting the camel's nose under the tent. And you say, well, what the hell are you talking about? You go, well, once, what happens after the camel gets his nose under the tent? The whole camel follows. So sometimes in second place, you're you've got the camel's nose under the tent.
0: Oh, I, yeah. I love that!
1: Yeah, Jim's brilliant. We're one of my closest friends.
0: I love it. What yeah. a, what a blessing to have that that mentorship and to be able to to so to... many
1: great mentors over the years. And I'm glad I get to give back to to lots of folks who I mentor.
0: Good, it's... good. And let's talk a little bit about that, Andrew, because I know that that's something that you're committed to, and you're always giving back and and paying things forward let's talk about that that element for a minute and maybe to someone who now is a young person starting out that that importance of that mentorship especially when you bring in that factor of we think we have this cockiness thinking we're number one and then there's no room for learning Mm -hmm. what do you you say into that space
1: yeah there there's two sides to it i don't know if if i talked to you about the book that i'm writing but it, it's the opposite of this. It's the the book is called What We Learn from Shitty Bosses. Oh and, and I'm I'm in the process of shopping <laughs> uh, it. And what it, what it is, I learned some of the greatest lessons in the world from really, really good guys. Mm-hmm. And I also learned some amazing leadership skills from people who showed me how not to do it. Wow. And and the premise of the book, and I've interviewed hundreds of people over, I sat on airplanes for for years asking people to you know telling stories. And I've heard some just amazing shitty boss stories. And I've also heard some amazing, really good boss stories. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you you can learn from either. It's it's kind of like, you know, people learn from skinning their knee. They also learn from successfully jumping and not falling. So, (laughs) you know, so, but what I do now, I, I pretty much every week block off as much as three but I call pick my brain sessions mm-hmm. and when people request them, depending on, on who they are and where, where I meet them from, I give them at no cost 30 minutes of my time to either flesh out an idea. I've got a new product I want to bring to the market. What should I be thinking about? Um, I can't seem to get a job interview and I'm a marketing guy and I've got a graduate. Uh, take a look at my resume and let's talk. I need some coaching. I'm going to do an interview uh, for a job, ask me some tough questions, whatever that is. Um, I average about an hour and a half a week of my time I love doing it. that. And, and the secret to it is that these people don't know us. I'm the guy who's actually doing most of the learning, but don't tell them. <laughs> it, 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 it hones my skill. It, it gives me a different way to think. It keeps me aware of what's going on in the market in places I don't play. It's a very selfish thing to do, but I love it.
0: <laughs> That's beautiful. I, the, most, the most beauty you could put in, in selfishness is 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 what you just described i i love that i love that andrew and again just just being able to to put yourself in a position because you can that listen i'm here let's i've been through it all or at least most of it and come Mm -hmm. and i I love that you that you open that space for that and so andrew I, i i meant to ask you the last time that we spoke and 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 i love that you mentioned this but first of all when is what are you looking at as far as a target for the publishing of the book.
1: I'm 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 now looking shopping? for a liter- I'm, I'm, I'm in the process of shopping literary agents okay. to get to a publisher. Okay, perfect, I,
0: perfect.
1: I'm I'm not going to self-publish. It's it the, the great thing about the book is not only is it educational and every person who reads it's going to see themselves in it. But it's also very fun. It's I, I joke <laughs> I joke in the book that you know we've disguised the names of all of the 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 people and the companies because it's not just my experience, it's hundreds mm-hmm. of people's experiences. But but the reason that it's so much fun is that these shitty bosses are going to read the book, and they're going to think it's hilarious. They won't recognize themselves because they are <laughs> shitty. They're <laughs> shitty people. They don't know. They can't smell their own. And what they're going to do is they're going to buy the book and they're going to give it to all of their employees, and tell them how lucky they are that they don't have a boss like that.
0: Oh so, <laughs> my goodness! I love that.
1: <laughs> yeah. So it's it, you know it's it's going to be one of those books where someone's going to read it because it's funny and they recognize all these crazy stories some people are going to read it because they're they're looking to see if they're in it right and if they're not careful when they're reading it they might learn something and that would be that would be horrible
0: that would be horrible what a a disgrace i love that i love it i love it andrew and and it's that's so andrew like if i heard (laughs) of anyone that i know doing a project like that or doing putting something like that together i would say man uh, that that sounds like andrew
1: And, and, and you know what as i write it i sometimes have to stop because i'm laughing it, some of the as i go through old notes and, and memories of some of the craziest um i, I my, my favorite story is the cheap boss the, bo- the boss who's basically a grifter and somehow got to the job there's a story a fella who I, who I know very well would have to travel with his boss and they would go like to the airport to the to the counter and and pay for you know something in the food court and the boss would sift through the receipts that people threw down to look for one that had a higher value so he could put it in his expense report <laughs> in front of the guy that, that works for him.
0: Oh my goodness. So he would
1: get like a coffee and find someone who, you know, at, at Starbucks and he'd find a receipt that had three or four Danish and a, and a sandwich and whatever. So his $2 coffee is now a $12 lunch. Oh. A high paid executive who's, who's, you know, what lesson do you get from that? Yeah, Why?
0: yeah. And, and, yeah. and usually they have very robust expense accounts as it is. So it's, it's, yeah. it's, they're just beefing everything up. That's, that's, that's amazing. I'm sure, yeah. I hope nobody's taking notes on, Hey, I hadn't thought of that
1: before. The idea wasn't to tell people how to do it. The no, idea I is know. to recognize how wrong it is. To grow, exactly. But, but if you're a grifter too, you're welcome.
0: There you go. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I love it. Andrew, what, what would you, if you can come up with two or three Just things that we need to be paying attention to right now, um, in business, particularly as we navigate out of the.
1: Number one is these guys that think that business is about being the king of the hill. In this market today, it's about leading with kindness and leading with service. If if you look at, for example, from a sales role, how can I solve people's problems? with what I'm offering, that's, that's the key. Because if you're in service, you'll always, be, you'll always have a seat at the table for the future with your clients. Now, number two is being respectful for where people are. Everybody, whether they do or they don't believe in COVID as being real or being a hoax or otherwise, there, there's a new level of anxiety among people that, that leads to anger and all these other things, and folks aren't behaving the way that they normally do. And you kind of have to accept a little bit more of the grief that people give mm-hmm. and take an extra breath rather than reacting the way you would prior to all of this. Mm-hmm. And, and there's, <clears throat> there's so much unkindness going around that if you can smile and breathe through it and not perpetuate it, you'll be doing everyone a service. And, and, and the last part of it is, is to embrace new things. Try it. You know, if you're that person who somebody serves you dinner, and they're from some country you've never been to, and you ask if you can just eat the bread, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> try, try a new flavor, try something new, stretch yourself out, and it will benefit you in all aspects of your life.
0: Yeah, and I, 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 I love that, Andrew, and I really appreciate you sharing that. And it's funny, I had a, uh, um, I'm not a vegetable person by any stretch of the imagination, right? And and I went, I was in Colorado, and we were meeting a friend who was making us, uh, she was having us over for brunch. And mm-hmm. I was with my daughter, who's a vegetarian, and my granddaughter. So she said, oh, you know, I was going to make a quiche, but I'll see what I do because, you know, the recipe that I have has bacon or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, so we get there. Now, I, 52 years old, I had never had broccoli in my life but in my brain I'm convinced that I hate broccoli that that's why I've never eaten broccoli. Mm-hmm. So I get there and and Bethany's got this beautiful beautiful spread and in the middle of it is the most gorgeous quiche I've ever seen with more broccoli than I've ever seen in one place. So I'm just <laughs> looking at that thing and I'm like, man, I'm going to have to cuz I I love her and I wasn't clear not that it matters but you know what she's doing it to honor my daughter and and we sat down and i served myself a teeny little slice and and i said i'm just gonna have to bite the bullet and do it it was the most delicious quiche i've ever had i had seconds and i had thirds and before we left i go bethany i want you to know that i'm 52 years old and today was the first time I've ever tried broccoli and she was free. She goes, how did you not tell me? There was so much. And I said, yeah, but I I did it out of Mm -hmm. love and out of respect. And you ended up introducing me to something that just blew my brain right now. So, so I love, I love that you say that.
1: Let me ask a question then. How much more broccoli have you eaten since?
0: Twice since then. That was, that was was two months ago. That's That's the key. That's the key. That's the key. Yep. If you it. ate
1: it and loved it and then didn't eat it again, I'd have to wonder how much yeah. you really loved it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, really great. And Andrew, what are you telling your, your daughters? About? About what kind of advice are you giving them, especially now where there might be a little bit of apprehension or uh, yeah, well, there.
1: And it's interesting because my three daughters are in very different places in, in, in their life. My oldest is a, a, an RN. Mm-hmm. So she, she's, she works for the Cleveland Clinic and her, her job is the nurse on call when you, when you dial in. Oh, wow. So she's constantly having to deal with people and wherever they are in their health. Now Mm -hmm. with COVID even more so. Mm -hmm. Um, And she's, she and her husband are doing great. I've got a grandson with, with them and, and really, you know, the, the advice is, you know, let's, let's be cautious and, and let's do what we need until this passes. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and she's fine. My, my middle daughter, uh, works in, in a multilingual call center, uh, related to the insurance industry. And she's got a little, our little granddaughter and, and she's being very careful and, and not being out and doing, doing crazy and and out Mm -hmm. with folks. Mm -hmm. Uh, while my youngest who lives down in Columbus, Ohio, works at a real high-end hair salon and she has to have contact with people all the
0: time. Right. Right.
1: So, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's about, she's, she's got to pay her bills. She's got to be responsible. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> she's the youngest of, of them, but I mean, she's, she's an adult mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, conversations with her are really about, you know, how proud I am of, of her advancement and becoming really a, a professional, responsible woman who's, who's taking care of her own and, and doing what she's got to do and being careful to to stay healthy.
0: I love it. I love it. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's really where, where it all ends, you know, you, and, and you said, you know, they're in different places and different phases of their lives, but yep. the parenting advice can, can all be the same and proud of all of them, I'm sure. And, and, and happy that they're doing what they're doing. So Andrew, what is the best, even though I really love that camel's nose in the tent um, <laughs> thing, but we, you can't use that one. Um, uh, best best piece of advice you've ever received
1: best piece of advice i've ever received that's a good question Mm um huh hit me funny uh probably you know things things that 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 occurred with my my grandfather who was a great businessman Mm -hmm. um about how how relationships come before transactions uh, is probably somewhere, somewhere in the realm of the multiple conversations that we had about that. that be, you know, building a business is about building a clientele, which means having relationships and understanding with people, not just taking orders. And it's always sort of been a, a focus of how I've dealt with with situations. The, 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 the reality is if you treat people in the way that we've been talking about, where you're really interested in how you can resolve their, their issues, mm-hmm. even long after you're no longer in that role, they're still in your life, and they remember you and 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 become a resource. The the short-sighted business guy is the one who just goes one deal to the next deal, not worrying about where it where it lies. And then when they need to to grow the business, they've got a whole trail of folks who really aren't that fond of who they are or what they do.
0: Absolutely, absolutely.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. I always I I love that, Andrew, and I always say that. I remember I I was interviewed once, and they said when. And in my previous life, when I had my title company and I was in title for 28 years before I became a coach and started coaching full time. Mm -hmm. And I remember they said, when did you know you had made it in your business? And I said, the day that I stopped marketing and my business kept growing. Because it's all coming word of mouth and it's very relational. So I love that you have honored your grandfather with really making a life out of those just building great relationships and being
1: of service to people. It's interesting how you use the word marketing there because you're still marketing.
0: It's still marketing. Exactly. And I, yeah. and even as I said it, I, you know, I remember when I said it in the interview, it sort of, but it was just, mm-hmm. I was, I was not having to, to promote myself or spend dollars on uh, marketing yeah. dollars. And it just kept growing. Yeah. But
1: um, quality and sales, you know, the first time you make a sale, anybody can do that. Mm-hmm. It's taking an order, whatever it is, you made a sale, you made a sale. Getting that customer to come back and buy again should wake you up. It's the continued business that proves whether or not you're really, truly a salesperson. Absolutely. That's that, that, that repetitive return. When, when one of your customers calls you and says, Hey, I know I buy this from you. We're really having a problem in another area. I bet, you know, somebody, you know that you now have a seat at the table and you're part of their decision-making process. And that's where the success comes is when that connection occurs.
0: Yes. And I love that, that you use that phrase, a seat at the table, because I think that really is um, what, what building relationships are all about. So thank you for that, mm-hmm. Andrew. Andrew, sure. so how can people find you? How can we, what do you have coming up other than the book that now I'm super excited about? Um, yeah, it's a ways off of that. But. <laughs> yes, I, I, I know, I know, but I'm patient.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: I'm, um, my, our website is, is fangledtech.com. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm open to connect with folks who actually have a reason to connect. Um, someone who I can either provide value or can provide value to me uh, and not pitch me on cryptocurrency and MLM. And <laughs> if you're, if you're a multi level marketer, please leave me alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm also, I'm right here. So if you need me, I'm here.
0: I love it. I love it. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you uh, for always being, being, uh, with your heart of service at, at the forefront all the time, and and I'm I'm blessed to know you, blessed to call you a friend, and I am grateful Me that too. you that you came out today. So thank you. Okay, folks, you heard it here. Uh, go out there and do good and be great and go play outside.